0: Good morning DJ and PK it's 975 and 1280 the zone. Time to play another game. We've been doing this uh, we started doing this yesterday and we're going to uh, do it coming up at 7:50 uh, so stay tuned for that. What did you watch last night? Under normal circumstances P.K. and Yak and I, we're watching games. We're watching the Jazz, and we're watching the Utes and the Cougars and the Aggies. And by the time you watch all of that stuff, and then you watch a few of the high-end NBA games that everybody's talking about, you know, because the Lakers are playing the Clippers or the Clippers are playing the Bucks or, you know, whatever it is. And at that point, well, that's pretty much what we do. There you go. I guess in football season, you know, there'd be Sunday night football. That'd be another primetime thing we'd be watching. So that's pretty much what we do now. These are strange times. And so a lot of the primetime shows that I just don't have time for, it's time to binge watch them. And for us, it's nightly. This is going to get repetitive as we talk about this. It's The Office. I'd seen it. So I kind of got some of the individual characters, but I didn't know the recurring storylines, the jokes. You got, you really have to watch it in order because they're building lives for these people, and I I appreciate that now more that we are now that we are five seasons in. We started watching the sixth season now, so. For me, that's the the big thing. This week, I'm also watching a lot of the Masters. On Monday, I was watching the uh, Arnold Palmer stuff from 1960, 1962. We had Mike Weir on. It was like I was talking to him about how it didn't look like Augusta to me. I'm used to the shots in both senses, both in the golf sense and the TV sense. You know, so-and-so made a putt from here. So and so hit a shot from here, and you're used to all of that, right? And then you're also just used to the camera angles. Like they have a shot that the TV net, that ESPN and CBS use, like the 18th T. I don't need to be told they're at the 18th T. There's that narrow, it just looks like a canyon. There's that narrow canyon. Tall trees down the left, tall trees down the right. You better hit it straight. It's like uh, teeing off down a bowling alley, right? And then you see one of these old. Things from the '60s, one of the old highlight films, and you're like, I didn't even recognize it. The trees weren't tall enough. It was like, what? It was, uh, what are they doing here? Because in some of the older Palmer stuff, they do show some PGA stuff, some U.S. Open or British Open stuff to kind of give it the context of the momentum he had in the year he was having uh, that he was coming off of, or that he followed it up with. So it was that was a little confusing. So now, uh, looking forward to seeing the. Um, Jack Nicholas, 75. I saw that. Uh, Casper, well, it wasn't last night, but uh, Casper, 71 71, when he won. That was good. So, I'm soaking those up. That, those are probably the two things. And I do try to watch a little Sports Center every night because if anyone makes news, then they have them on because Scott Van Pelt is just desperate. <laughs> He's like, How am I going to fill all this time? What are we going to do? So, uh, th- that's pretty much my viewing options. But if you have any for uh, yourself, uh, hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James, and uh, we'll get to all of that. And maybe we'll all uh, together discover something new, find something new. One of you will stumble onto it and get us all fired up about it. Uh, one thing I've Seen uh, watching Sports Center and trying to follow the little bit of sports news that is trickling out as golf reschedules, and I have seen it described as aspirational. You know, they're not locked into this, and depending on what happens, the schedule might change again. But as currently constituted, uh, one thing that was brought up was, hey, the Masters in November, the course will look different. The azaleas won't be in bloom. All of that. You know, how will the course play? The Bermuda grass, it'll be different. And the other thing that'll be different is CBS will have the Masters on a Sunday during the NFL season. What are they going to do? And it seems like after everything we've been through, who cares? They'll figure it out. <laughs> who cares what they do? That's the last thing to worry about. Uh, but I have read some stuff and thought about some stuff, and uh, I think it's pretty simple. I think we're going to see CBS farm out a full Sunday of football. You know, in a normal time, 32 teams in a league, you'd have 16 games, uh, and you would have eight of those on CBS. Now, in November, they tend to be in buys. So my guess is, they go to the NFL, and there's, you know, anytime you give something up, it's all a negotiation and their long-term relationships, so you try not to crack too hard on each other, and I think there's something in it for the NFL. I think that uh, I think this will work out pretty smoothly. Yach was actually spelling out for me how the SEC Saturday will get held. It's November, so some SEC teams are playing, you know, the Sisters of the Poor. That's when you schedule your game in there against... Uh, the Citadel or you know, one of the Louisiana directional schools. I guess they dropped that. One of them is just Louisiana now. Um, So you go down that road, and it's pretty easy for the SEC to clear time, put games on ESPN, put games on the SEC network. It won't be that big a deal. Maybe CBS will get a doubleheader somewhere else. They'll sort out the, the college football Saturday. But I think the same thing happened with Sunday. They've been dying to put... More NFL games on the NFL network. I think if CBS says we need help here, they put an AFC game on Thursday night. They put a you know usually typically put divisional games on Thursday and Monday. So it'd be easy enough to put AFC games in those slots. Maybe get two of the better AFC teams and you make it the Sunday night game. So that's six teams right there. You put two or four of them, which gets you to eight or ten, on buys. Because you'd normally be doing that anyway. You put a game on the NFL network, which I think the NFL would jump at a chance. They won't even be upset with CBS and the Masters. Like, sweet, this is an excuse to put an NFL game on. I'll bet it's a halfway decent one, too. You know, not a national game, not a mega showdown, but one of the better regionalized games. Uh, and then I wouldn't be surprised if uh, CBS just basically sells a couple games to ESPN. That wouldn't shock me at all. We see a game on ESPN, a game on espn too. I think CBS might lobby for a London game that week, too, because they could play the London game early before they go to the Masters coverage. So CBS could still have one football game there and uh, put their studio show around that. And there you go. So uh, it's all scheduling. It could all be sorted out. If if things break right and you'll... It, you know, everybody does a good job in the social distancing. It doesn't recur, and if science and medicine does its thing, which we have no control over, but uh, you know, they can test us for antibodies and know who's had it and know who won't get it again. Um, maybe there's there's hope that kids will be back in school in the fall, and that opens up college football, and the NFL can get going, and uh, we still might have some NBA, and we'd have some baseball, and <laughs> we'd have golf. And and we won't be watching any shows anymore because we will be watching sports nonstop. It'll just be phenomenal how much sports is on in the fall. You know, October is already a crazy month with the start of the NBA, the major league baseball playoffs, the NFL and college football. There's a lot going on. You start throwing golf into the fall schedule too. And you push the NBA back. I don't know how far the NBA wants to push this back. They need some kind of offseason. And I know a lot's been made of a December start to the NBA and that they try a December through August schedule for the uh, 2020-21 season. But uh, I did read some stuff, and I think he brought it up actually on Twitter, on the Twitter interview with Ernie Johnson, that Adam Silver is kind of thinking that Labor Day is as far as they want to go with the NBA. But if they have a chance to get most of it in, they have to go a week or two past Labor Day, they 'll do it, why not wrap it up? Why not do it? We are starting to see uh you know layoffs, furloughs, executive uh pay cuts coming from different clubs we've seen it with the jazz we had it with the uh, Lakers yesterday. I mean you can go on down the line. I think this is something we 're going to see that even if they salvage some of the season they're probably not salvaging the tickets they're not spo- they're not salvaging some of the sponsorship money they're not salvaging some of the uh well the concessions for instance and a lot of the merchandising stuff will probably drop off and take a hit as well you go to a jazz game you know say in december or january this season and you know you walk in the main entrance and the store on the left is just packed is just packed. So many people are in there. And it doesn't matter if they're buying a jersey or a t shirt or a hoodie or a hat or or whatever. I don't I don't know what the number is. I guess I could probably ask around and find something out, but it's significant. You know, you add it up like that's that's real money over there. And they're gonna lose all of that. So I think we'll see more with some of these clubs taking hits and just trying to trying to minimize the damage by getting the season. And I think that's what we're gonna see out of all the, uh, all the spring and summer sports from uh, the NBA, Major League Baseball, uh, Major League Soccer. You know, they're supposed to play a 34-game schedule. They've only got two games in, so they're going to be under a crunch extending their season, playing twice a week, probably losing games. Um, you know, what are we going to see out of U.S. Open tennis in September? and That's another thing to put on a crowded calendar, right? So uh, there's a lot to wedge in there, but I think when you look at a weekend like the uh, you know with the SEC and the NFL and the Masters all coming together, if that can get sorted out, then a lot of the rest of the stuff can get sorted out too. It's just a matter of uh, can we really get things up and running? Then hopefully we can. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 of the Zone. One thing that's going to go on as scheduled, but certainly in a different form, is the draft, the digital draft, the virtual draft. No, uh, the war room, which is always, <laughs> just kind of an intense expression, uh, but that's not happening. The NFL is not opening up facilities. People are going to be drafting from home, so you better not have any uh, any network outages in your area. Better not lose your uh, lose your uh, internet connection. If you're an NBA GM and you better have a backup, a a redundant, hey, if you don't hear from me, then this guy's making the pick. And uh, everybody on cells, on conference calls, Zoom meetings going. Hopefully they're not getting crashed. And uh, sorting all this out, where are the locals going to go? Where's Jordan Love going to go? How long is he going to last? How long is Jalen Johnson going to last? See a first rounder. PK and I uh, talking with Dane Brugler from The Athletic. He covers the NFL Draft. And then a guy who opted out of the draft, BYU tight end Matt Bushman. Those two interviews coming up next on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stay with us.
1: Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: All right, DJ and PK, it's time to talk NFL draft. Dane Brogo writes all about it for the athletic, and he joins us right now on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, making it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Dane, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Doing well. Uh, There are a lot of things to talk to you about, some of the uh, local guys we're curious about. But first, let's start at the top of the draft. And I guess the big question mark to a Valo. I mean, Alabama, he's in the spotlight. We've all watched him play in big games. And it seems like a huge question mark. What level of confidence do you have that he will go to Miami at number five and be a Dolphin? And what other scenarios are in play? And how much do you think they, they are realistic? Oh, well, I don't have
2: any confidence that that's going to happen. I don't know how anybody could, except uh, unless you're the Miami Dolphins, you know, because there's just there's too much unknown out there, uh, especially with not not only just the durability factor, the medicals, but you throw in this past month and everything that's happened. So no pro day, no visits. Um, you know, those are the type of things that teams rely on to get a lot of information. So uh, w- when it comes down to two, it just comes down to uh, how how risk adverse are you? Um, You know, how willing are you to take that chance? And if you are, uh, you know, it's it's not just in a vacuum. It's with the context of, you know, Justin Herbert from Oregon, you know, assuming Joe Burrow goes one, like we all believe he will, then who's going to be the next quarterback off the board. Uh, Do you take the risk of going with uh, Tua or is the gap close for you close enough where it's worth going a Justin Herbert um, who has his own issues, has some some things he needs to work through, but you know, at least he's a guy that has a better resume in terms of uh, being a four-year starter and relatively clean uh, medicals. Uh, so there's just so many variables involved with the process that I don't know how anybody could have any confidence uh, that two is going to go in the top five or to the dolphins. Um, if I had to bet on it right now, I'd say there's a better chance of Justin Herbert uh, going to Miami at five uh, but uh, we have two weeks left and so we're going to certainly learn a lot here over these next two weeks
3: Even if everybody is healthy isn't with still a risk
2: no matter what? Oh, sure. Uh, You know, when you talk about uh, drafting quarterbacks, uh, you know, there's – it's still a risky proposition in the top ten first round. Um, And Joe Burrow is going to go number one for a reason. You know, he's coming off arguably the the best college football season for a quarterback we've ever seen. Uh, But now after that, you you break it down, and each one of these guys is something to worry about. With Tua, uh, you know, he's a guy that likes to extend plays. uh, And with that, he takes hits on his body. and his body has not been able to hold up, whether it's the hip, whether it's, uh, you know, he's had procedures on both ankles um, and there's, there's other medical stuff going on. And so you have to worry about him holding up for a 16 game schedule. That just, that, that seems unlikely you throw in Justin Herbert who uh, he was never as a four year starter he never earned first or second team all pac 12 uh, you know he was never that guy that just took over games and dominated he's just he's very solid um, you know he would make plays but then he'd also kind of make a play that left you scratching your head and so there's just there's there's things that are missing from his evaluation that you just wish you would see when you talk about investing a top 10 pick in a quarterback so uh, you know there's there's a lot to like about these guys. And I throw Jordan Love in there, too, out of Utah State, uh, coming off a season that was pretty disappointing uh, compared to what he did in 2018. So, uh, with all these guys, there's reason to be encouraged. There's also reasons why, you know, would it wouldn't be a surprise three years from now if we look back and they end up being a bust.
0: Do you think the Chargers with a six pick are committed to a quarterback, too? That would make three of the top six QBs, or do you think they might go another direction? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think if we, I think that certainly makes sense. Tyrod Taylor right now is basically the only quarterback on their depth chart, um, and so it would it would certainly uh, make some sense that they went out and drafted one of these guys at, at number six. If uh, Herbert does go five, then two is sitting there at six. You now what's What's their tolerance for risk at that point? Is that do they see that as uh, worth the gamble at that point? Um, and that's something that only the Chargers could answer. Uh, you know, again, without these pro days and all that, it's just it's tough to make that prediction. But right now, that would be my guess. If I, I'm coming out with a mock draft later this week, and it's going to be Joe Burrow one, Justin Herbert five to the Dolphins, and it's going to be Tua at, at number six to the Chargers. Uh, but you know, over these next two weeks, hopefully, we'll be able to find out more in terms of where each team sits with these quarterbacks.
0: So let's talk a little bit about uh, Jordan Love. What have you heard about NFL teams? What are they saying? What do you think? um, What do you think they're thinking about the Aggie quarterback?
2: it would be interesting if he had if the season that he had this year 2019 if you flip that with his 2018 season you know it would just be fascinating to see how we would be talking about Jordan Love if his sophomore year happened as a junior um, and you know he went from struggling to this really impressive year to the sophomore 32 to 6 touchdown interception ratio um, this past year 20 to 17 um, obviously that's not the direction you want to go uh, so it, It's something that is brought up quite a bit when talking with teams. Um, it just you know, why the dip? Um, you know, is this? You, you hear positive things about him as a person. Um, the skill set is uh, exactly what you want. Uh, you know, his movement skills, his arm, his release. Uh, but uh, you know, so from a physical standpoint, you you like the loose passing skills, the arm talent. But right now, he just doesn't have a great feel for tempo uh, with his progressions, uh, with reading the defense. He just. It's going to require time uh, to develop mentally, and that's just that's always tough at the NFL level. Um, you know, we saw him at Utah State start to press a lot when his team needed a play, um, and it's you know he's the only guy on that Utah State offense that is you know a future NFL player uh, so you know it it, 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 it it understandable why it would take some time or you know, he would want to press and make a play and that led to mistakes and so you know do you give him do you forgive him for that and say we can develop him and um, you know, that's what teams are debating uh, and debated throughout the process so uh, Jordan loves gonna go somewhere in the top 40 picks um, you know he could slip to the second round kind of like drew Locke did last year um, he could still go first round uh, he's gonna go somewhere in those top 40 picks and uh, landing spots going to be huge for him if he's able to go to some place like say Indianapolis uh, they've got the second pick in the second round whether they trade up into the back first or they stay put at that, that second pick in the second round I think that'd be a great landing spot for him going to uh, an offensive minded head coach an organization that's going to be real willing to build around him uh, you could learn under Phillip Rivers for a year maybe two I think that would be an ideal fit uh, if Love ended up in uh, Indianapolis
0: Another guy everyone here expects to go really early is Jalen Johnson, defensive back out of the University of Utah. They should have a lot of guys drafted. Uh, Are you pretty sure he'll be the first one, and do you think he'll be in the first round or the second? Yeah, I'd be pretty
2: surprised if Jalen Johnson was not uh, the first Utah player uh, drafted. Uh, he has a chance to go in the first. I think you look at the teams that are drafting in the late first round. A couple of them make a lot of sense for Jalen Johnson. I think Kansas City sitting there at the thirty-second pick. Uh, I think that'd be a great fit uh, with what Kansas City's looking for, and then what Jalen Johnson has to offer. Um, I think that would be a, a great marriage uh, with the player and the team. And you know, with Jalen Johnson, he's a guy that. I would like to see him be a little bit better of a finisher. Uh, needs to continue his development with his instincts, but the athletic traits are there. He can ride defenders up and down the field. The competitive mentality, the professional approach that he brings—those are all selling points that are going to help him go pretty high. And um, uh, you know, I think the, the the better debate might be who's going to be the next Utah player drafted um, after Jalen Johnson. Is it going to be Bradley Anai, who had tremendous production uh, at Utah, but doesn't? Really have a lot of the traits that teams are looking for. I ran a four nine in the forty shorter arms. You know, where, where, does that drop them to you know late second, early third? Um, you know, is, is, who's who's going to be that next Utah player to draft? That? I think it's probably going to be a Nye, but you throw in Terrell Burgess, who's got a good chance to be a third round pick. Lucky Fotu could be there in the third round. Um, you know, I, I think that Zach Moss, as uh, the durability issues might hurt him a little bit, but still a guy that is such a productive running back. He's going to be off the board somewhere in that third round range. So I think that Jalen Johnson is going to be the first Utah player drafted, and then probably Bradley Anai is the next one. And then you know there's just a group of really good Utah players. That uh, yeah, you're, you're you're absolutely right. Certainly going to be well represented uh, draft weekend.
0: You know when you talk about Johnson to the Chiefs, Andy Reid and Kyle Whittingham have a tie going back to the BYU days. So yeah, boy, if point. if Andy would. Ever be convinced that he knows every last detail there is to know, it'd be after talking to Kyle. Because uh, I think there's, yeah. a, there's a relationship and a lot of trust there. How many total Ute players do you think are going to get drafted? <laughs>
2: uh you know i think you look at it and uh it, it starts with uh jalen johnson obviously bradley and i lucky foe two um and terrell burgess zach moth i think those five players have a shot to go in the top 100 and then on day three that's when you're looking at francis bernard um so okay that's, that's six. Um, uh, let's look on the defense. I think uh, a defensive tackle. Um, you know, Lucky Fotu uh, is going to get drafted early, but then I also think John Pannacini has a shot late. Uh, so that'd be seven. And then you go uh, to the secondary, and it's not just Jalen Johnson, obviously, and Terrell Burgess. You know, they've got a few other guys back there that could uh, possibly get drafted late with Gidry, who obviously is track star. That's going to help him. Um, so he, he's got a shot. And then Julian Black interesting coming off the injury. He's kind of been out of sight, out of mind. So when it's all said and done, uh, you know, there's a good chance eight, you know, probably nine players from Utah going to hear their name over draft weekend, which is just tremendous representation. Uh, there will be plenty of SEC teams, Big Ten teams that don't uh, don't reach half of that number. So uh, Utah will definitely be one of the teams we hear a lot on draft weekend.
0: Dan Brugler joining us, NFL draft writer for the Athlete. We're going to have Matt Bushman, BYU tight end on in a few minutes. There were some thoughts that he might go. He's decided to come back for his senior year. And I know once a guy's out of the draft pool that, you know, it's not your priority now. But I wondered if you had heard about him, what teams liked, what they want to see from him uh, since he's going to play another year of college football. Do you have anything on him?
2: Yeah, well, you know, he—I was a little surprised that he did decide to go back. You know, being—you uh, know—he's already married, and you know, he's uh, a little bit of an older guy, being—you uh, know—a little more mature. I thought he might be ready for the next level, but um, and he's got that interesting NFL connection. His father-in-law being Chad Lewis, uh, who is obviously a, a great resource uh, for him and, and a former NFL tight end for a lot of years. Certainly, something someone who can help him um, in terms of uh, developing his route tree and just getting better as an overall tight end. Uh, you know, with Matt Bushman, there's, there's a lot to like just physically. He looks the part, uh, like the way he can snatch the ball. Um, uh, he, he, looks really balanced uh, in his routes. And then after the catch, uh, you know, he can bounce off tackle attempts, uh, be more than just a possession guy. He can do a little bit after the catch. Um, so going back for, uh, another year, 2020, just want to see more production out of him, especially in the red zone, um, to become more, uh, more polished with his route running to create that separation um work the middle of the field so i going into next year he's definitely on the short list of tight ends that nfl teams are watching so um you know he's definitely a guy uh, to watch for the 2021 draft
3: do you think receivers are more valuable in terms of being drafted higher than running backs are right now
2: Oh, I don't think there's any any question about that. With uh, the way that the NFL is set up currently, and just the simple fact that at one at any one moment, you're likely going to have three or four receivers on the field compared to you know one running back. And so the sheer numbers, uh, you know, we're going to see higher volume of receivers drafted early, just because you can get those guys on the field. Uh, where teams are, uh, you know, so occasionally they'll put two running backs on the field at the same time, uh, but for the most part, you're going to have one and you know you're you're looking at a position that uh, you know has shown year after year you can find talent later in the draft and so uh, you know we have some really good running backs this year jk dobbins from ohio state deandre swift from georgia uh jonathan taylor wisconsin Clyde edwards hilaire lsu these guys are all first round quality players who might not go in the first round because uh just being squeezed out at the position um and you know meanwhile we're going to see uh, four or five, maybe six receivers go in the first round and then plenty more throughout day two and day three uh, wide receiver. Uh, we, we might set a record this year for most receivers drafted. We're running back. There's certainly talent in this class in terms of uh, where they're going to go, though, that that's the kind of the question mark. We, we might not see them go as early as we have in the past.
0: Dane, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming in and talking a little uh, NFL draft with us. All right, anytime. Thanks, guys. There's Dane Brugler covers the uh, NFL draft for the Athletic. You know, we've talked a lot about how uh, teams and media are going to be impacted, and I'm really interested. Something like the Athletic, you know, I mean, we've certainly taken a hit here and lost some employees, and that is not an unusual story across sports radio, radio, TV. I have friends, uh, a friend in the Bay Area doing TV, and he told me that uh, KCBS Radio, which is um, more a news talk format, it's not sports talk, but more news talk, but they have guys who do. Sports and they they let those guys go, and so as they all take hits, you know how does the athletic model work? Can they weather all this? Are people going to stick with the subscriptions? Because it's not, I mean, money's tight, and when money's tight, if you know, but it's not, um, it's not, it's not uh, a big expense, you know. I mean, you're not you're not dropping a couple grand on it, and at fifty bucks a year, if you got the fifty bucks, it does provide a lot of entertainment when you're at home. You know, and you can read up on a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of interesting stuff out there. It'll be interesting to see how the athletic uh, makes it through this. Something to keep an eye on. You know, what does the future of sports, sports journalism, sports writing, sports reporting look like? Uh, It'll be intriguing to see. All right, DJ and PK, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, Matt Bushman could have been in the draft. Uh, Thought he was gonna be in the draft. To be honest, I thought there was a better chance he would go than not. Uh, But he decided to come back. Why is he coming back? What is he working on? What event? NFL people told him, what does a team have to work on? You know, there's seven and six, but you can play woulda, coulda, shoulda with three fourth quarters at South Florida, at Toledo, Hawaii at Hawaii in the bowl game, and could have not, not only could have, would have, should have. I mean, a lot of times that's kind of a hope, but then I mean, they had leads in the fourth quarter of all those games. They were right there. They got outscored 34 to 3 in those fourth quarters. They got dominated in those fourth quarters. If they had just, you know, played C-minus football, they would have won two or three of those games. And nine and four, or 10 and three, man, that'd give the program a whole different look than seven and six. All right, Matt Bushman coming up next. Stay with us. Take The Zone
1: with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What did you watch last night? For Yak and for PK and I in normal times back in the day, We'd come in, and it was inevitably the Utes, the Cougars, the Jazz, football, basketball. we watch the stuff we talk about. It's pretty predictable. And we all watch it, and we all got our theories on what happened and why. But these are different times. And uh, for those of us who watch a lot of sports, it's a chance to catch up on entertainment programming. Uh, we've been watching The Office. My daughter's seen it all, and she thinks it's about time I stop watching football and basketball games and get up to speed. So I'm through Season 5 now, as of last night. We knocked out four or five episodes last night. Man, sitcoms are about 21 minutes or so. You just, just boom, boom, boom right through them. It's like watching a movie, knocking out four or five. Charlotte tweets at us, Reno 911. You guys have got to check it out. It's hilarious. i got to say, I've never seen it. Have you ever seen it, PK?
3: I have, yeah. They do some bizarre stuff on that show. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan. But if you ask me if I've seen it, the answer is Yes.
0: Uh, let's see. Other people uh, tweeting and stuff, different stuff. Uh, Kyler says he watched the league. It's hilarious.
3: Yeah, I want to watch the league here very soon.
0: Brad says uh, 310 to Yuma. I've been watching a lot of
3: uh, the courtship of Eddie's father.
0: You have not. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Why not? <laughs>
0: There's no chance you've been watching that. I barely watched that when I was a little kid. Come on, in reruns. All right, DJ and PK, it's time to talk a little football with Matt Bushman, BYU tied in. going to be a senior. Matt, good morning. Good morning to you guys. Does it feel I'm weird here? Does it feel weird to be described as a senior? You look around and think, "Hey, what happened? How am I how am I the senior? How am I the vet?"
4: Yeah, it is really weird. Um, especially with what's going on right now. It's a uh, yeah, it's just weird times and uh, my, my career career's flown by
3: a future NFL tight end and you marry the daughter of a former NFL tight end. I don't did you really fall in love with her or was this just a business decision to help you get to the NFL? <laughs> um,
4: thankfully it was not just a business decision. I did fall in love with her and it was just uh it's worked it's just worked out that I had a good mentor and uh, and a good father in law, so I actually didn't even know um who Chad Lewis was before I got to BYU, so I think that's uh, that's a good thing.
0: So how did you find out who Chad Lewis was? Because I got to say, my eyebrows went up when you said that. Chad Lewis, he he was his senior year. He was just awesome. He and Atul Mealy just crushed it. Have you gone back and watched some of that film? Yeah, I've watched some of that film. And, and I think, I don't know. I just,
4: I just didn't. I think I was. I mean, he, his senior year was like in nineteen ninety six. I think. Yeah. I was born in 1995, so, I mean, I was just a little kid when he was still playing, and um, yeah, I just didn't know a whole lot about him, so when I got to BYU, I think he introduced himself before his, before my mission, and that's when I first kind of, like, knew who he was, but when I got back from my mission, um, he's just always, like, so excited to meet the tight ends and the, the recruits coming in, and... That's when I first, when I got back to my mission, I really, that's when I got to know him. And after the spring game, I watched a little bit of film with him. So, um, and then around that time afterwards, I started going on dates with with Donovan. So, it was, uh, it's just, yeah, it's cool how everything's worked out.
3: So, you had a decision to make in the offseason, and obviously you chose to come back and you get counsel from a lot of different people. Well, obviously Chad Lewis knows what he's speaking about as far as staying in school, and also what the NFL is like. How much did you rely on him to help you make that decision? Um, I definitely, <clears throat> I definitely counseled with him. Just
4: my wife and I like go over there and the talk to him, worry with certain things, and we um, were kind of closing in on that on our decision. Um, But, I mean, he, at the end of the day, he wasn't trying to persuade me one one way or another. He was, I mean, he was really excited for me and thought it'd be awesome if I left and started my career. But um, he was also like, it could be awesome if you you stay. And I think everything will work out that way, too. So, um, yeah, it was just, I mean, it was comforting to hear uh, from a guy that's done a lot in the NFL and had a great career. Just to hear that it was like I'm not I couldn't make a bad decision. So that was that was definitely helpful to hear and at the end of the day he was he was excited that I decided to stay.
0: Matt Bushman join us, BYU tied in. I'm curious in this process, how close you get to get to NFL coaches, GMs, players, what kind of feedback you get? How much of it is anonymous? How much do you know you're hearing from any given uh, team? How how does all that work?
4: Um, So it is kind of hard. I mean, you hear – I mean, there's always scouts at practice that are trying to – they're just, like, evaluating us while we're practicing and um, seeing just kind of, like, our measurements and everything. But you don't really – you don't get to talk to them a ton So, a lot of it comes from what some of the agents are, like, we're allowed to speak with agents as long as, like, the BYU is, like, cool with it. We can, can like, I don't know, just get a hold of them and talk to them sometimes. Mm -hmm. As long as they don't pay for anything, then it's, and you don't, like, verbally commit to them representing you, you can pretty much, you can hear from them and get it take counsel from them too so you just have to trust what the agents are saying and hopefully they're talking to the the right scouts and they're giving good feedback that's a that's what a lot of it comes from um when a junior thinks about declaring you can kind of get a a grade from like it's like it's like the nfl committee i think some like gms send it back where they think you either get like you're a first rounder, you're a second rounder, or you should stay in school. Um, so that's like a pretty vague, um, report that you can get when you, when you want to declare. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to know. You kind of, if you want to leave as a junior, you definitely kind of have to bet on yourself and, um, hope that you get invited to the combine and do really well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting process, and it's hard to really know where you stand, like, within what round and where you're going to get drafted.
3: So last year you had 47 receptions for 688 yards. This year the team loses three senior receivers who obviously won't be back. How much are you expecting your production to increase
4: um, I mean, I would, I would hope that I could still continue to be a top, like the top target for for whichever quarterback starts. I mean, um, but we definitely have some some emerging receivers that have that are getting better. I mean, Gunner and Dax have had a lot of experience, and they're they're going to be really good for us this year. I'm I, I'm hoping and. Also, Neil Powell is coming back, and he could be a really – he's just a big guy, and he can be a really good target also. Um, So I think even though we have some receivers leaving, we still have some really good receivers that will step up and make plays for us. But, yeah, I I definitely hope that my role can continue to be a top target and just be a security blanket for the quarterbacks when when they feel that they're in trouble and – yeah, it's, uh, I'm
0: looking forward to the season a lot. BYU tight end, Matt Bushman, joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Uh, you know, coming off a 7-6 and six season, I think it's easy to look at three games, three road games, and it was a bowl game, but you were at Hawaii, it was a road game. There are three road games that were there for the taking. You had fourth-quarter leads. You got outscored by a combined 34-3 to in those three games in the fourth quarter, and they were all so close what do you have to do to change those outcomes be better in the fourth quarter because obviously man from 7 to 6 to 10 and 3 that's a that's a really different vibe at the end of the fe- at the end of the season if you if you turn those three games around and hold on
4: Yeah yeah that's what's so crazy like our season was just a couple of minutes away from a couple of touchdowns away from being really great and it's uh it was it was definitely first game for us as a team but I just think as, a, as an offensive standpoint, you know, for us to um, just fix those, I mean, I think we were not very good in the, in the red zone, we did not, we were able to drive the ball up and down the field, but we just could not finish and score, and that was, it was frustrating for us all, and as long as, I think if we fixed that, we we would have been a 10 win team this year, and um, we would have just put more points on the board, and we would have been in a completely different spot. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Our red zone just needed to we needed to fix that, and for some reason during the season we couldn't, we couldn't fix it.
3: So this uh, spring ball obviously was cut short, and now uh, things are sort of in a, a halting situation here. And so much of what you guys do is work on your own to get better over the summer uh, and whether it's uh individually or whether it's a group and throwing the ball with the quarterbacks or whatnot do you have any idea what you guys are going to be able to do in this uh, time whenever it is however long it is to be able to make sure whenever the season starts you guys are ready to go
4: yeah it is it is weird and it's definitely up to up to each each of us um The nice thing is we at least got, I think we had like six spring practices in. There were a lot of schools that didn't get any practices in. So at least we got a little bit uh, to see where we were at. Um, But, yeah, I mean, BYU encouraged students that if they wanted to, they could go home and finish the semester. So we have some players that are back in their home states. Others are in Utah. Um, I mean, all the gyms are closed down except for like, if you know, if you have one in your garage or if you know someone close by um so yeah it's definitely a, a weird time, but the coaches all expect us to get our workouts in some way or another if you don't have a gym close to you, just you have to be creative um our strength coaches are giving us body weight workouts, and um yeah it's I mean whether it's the situation or not, like in the summer, you have a lot of you have a lot of free time where you can you can choose how you want to, if you want to get better or not on your own. So, I think this is just a good time if you're, if you're committed as a player and you want to get better. Um, whether we're quarantined or not, you're, you're trying to figure out ways to, to improve and this is just a, a more personal way where you have to kind of, I don't know, just be smart, not uh, be in big groups of 10 or more and I guess just for some more after every workout. Well, yeah, it's just uh, you can get stronger in this situation also and get better at football. So we're hoping we can join together as a team sooner rather than later, but no one really knows, so we're just playing it by ear.
0: Matt Bushman, BYU tight end, join us. You know, one thing you can do by yourself is is watch film. And we hear from different players that have really different habits. And I wondered if you like to watch your own film, if you like to watch opponents. Some people like to watch uh, film of pros, and some will go back a few years uh, to watch elite guys at their positions. Uh, any of that appeal to you? Any combination of that? Yeah,
4: I mean, lately, I think I'd like I like watching. A lot of the NFL, thing right now. Um, so, I mean, watching guys like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, I was able to get some cut-ups of them and just kind of watch how how they go about their business. Um, certain things that I want to improve on, I got some cut-ups from them, like just more explosive releases, more explosive in routes, and just kind of learning from them so that I can I can improve my technique and. I think that's been pretty helpful, um, and yeah, I mean, we also have we have our film. I don't think I don't watch as much of my film from the past. I watch a little bit of it, but like in, in during this period, I'll mainly focus on uh on like the the NFL guys that, that I look up to and that I want to tailor my game after. And then as the season gets a little bit closer, then I'll kind of dial in on on the, teams that we have that we play, so that's uh that's kind of how I do it right now
3: oh folk, did they give you specific stuff that you need to improve on
4: um sorry, you kind of put out would you say the the scout the
3: yeah did they give you people? specific yeah did they give you specific feedback that you needed to work on
4: yeah, so I mean there are. Like I said, the agents talk to the scouts and like agents kind of come back to you with some stuff. Um, so they de- they came back with things that I can improve on, like obviously just staying, getting stronger and um, just being a better run blocker. That's, I feel like that's a big thing for a lot of tight ends, and especially me, where I'm more of a receiving tight end. That's, that's definitely something where I can be just bringing more physical presence and just have a little bit better technique. Um, in the run game um, and also they just kind of said like I'm it's I'm able to get open easier in zone defenses so they just had to work my man-to-man technique get the guys off me when they're pressing me and um, just kind of running with me down the field so those are uh, some things that I'm working on a lot just man-to-man releases trying to be more physical with, with that, and just have more efficient techniques. So I'm not um, wasting time when guys are guarding me random man, and also just trying to bring learn better technique, better footwork in the run game, so that I can so I can improve on that also.
0: Well, Matt, we appreciate a few minutes. Good luck, and uh, we look forward to seeing you whenever football starts up. Awesome, thank you. I appreciate it. There's BYU tight end Matt Bushman, going to be a senior, and expected to make some big plays and carry a lot of the load offensively for BYU. We're going to take a break. When we come back, what is trending? The headlines are coming up. This is 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.